Hello, and welcome to Overcoming, the companion podcast to my new book, After Trauma, which is out today, April 12th, 2022. I am Allie Rothrock. So this podcast is going to follow the same format that the book does. We are going to do one episode per chapter. But before we get into all of that, I want to talk to you a little bit about how this book came to be. Before I was in the literary world, like when I was in middle school, for example, and I knew that I wanted to, quote, be a writer, I didn't know anything about what that actually meant other than a writer is someone who writes all the time. And that has been something that has applied to me and been true about me for a long, long time. I'm an avid journaler. I write every single day. And that is what a lot of the materials from my books come from, is from my journals, me going back and reflecting on experiences that I've had. But I want to talk to you about how After Trauma came to be, what my writing process was like, what the publishing process was like. I have some questions that uh, readers have submitted that I'm going to answer today. And so we're going to start back in 2005. In 2005, I joined the Volunteer Fire Service at the ripe old age of 16 years old. And that decision to become a firefighter was one that completely set my life on a different trajectory than to what I had been expecting. And as soon as I became a firefighter, I started writing down everything that I was learning, all the people that I met, calls that I was going on, these tragedies that I was witnessing. I needed to have a place to process all of that and to document all of that. And so that is what my journal was for me back at that time. And then I began to experience trauma of my own within the four walls of my first couple firehouses. And the pages of my journal became really the only place where I felt like I could tell the whole truth and I could say all of what was happening to me because I didn't know how to put words to some of it. And finding those words would take me a really long time as it often does when we are trying to process things that happen to us. And those first 20 or so journals ended up culminating in my first book, Where Hope Lives, which I self-published in 2010. And so when I say self-published, I mean I googled, how do you self-publish a book? I printed out those Google results and I literally crossed off each step as I went. So I got a bunch of part-time jobs and I worked and worked and worked like sun up to sundown, literally until I had enough money to print and publish the first 1,000 copies of Where Hope Lives. And that is still a book that is, you know, in print to this day. And so I had done the self-publishing thing, and that was the absolute right decision for that story. I needed to bring that story into the world all on my own. I needed it to be something that I saw through from the very beginning to the very end. Self-publishing... You know, back in 2010, when it was self-published, there were way fewer options than there are now. Um, So I basically, you know, had to find a printer and, and pay for all of that. The formatting, you have to register a book with the Library of Congress. And of course, that's expensive. And the cover design and my first website and all of that, I was just sort of making happen by connections that either I had in my hometown or people that I could find who would be willing to help me. And then in December, December 10th of 2010, Where Hope Lives was published. And I still remember nervously waiting for that first box to be delivered to my house. I remember the first copy of that book that I ever held in my hands. And having that book be a real book was very much the end goal, but it was also not the end of the story. 
and writing every day had become such a habit. And then, you know, I worked actively on the manuscript that would become Where Hope Lives every day for two years. So continuing to write and continuing to process my experiences through writing was just, it was a habit at that point that I just simply didn't want to break. And I still haven't, you know, broken that habit to this day. I still write every single day. So even though Where Hope Lives was published, I felt like my ability to process the events that I had written about was still ongoing. And so I continued to write and I continued to explore, you know, my relationship to these events that were in that first book. But I really thought at the time that Where Hope Lives would be the only book that I would ever write. Sixth grade Allie wanted to be a writer. 21-year-old Allie had a book with her name on it. And I thought, okay, did that. Now what? I didn't know what I was going to do after publishing that story, but I just knew that I needed to do it. And I figured if I kept being brave enough to be the person who told that story publicly, and if I kept following that story, I would sort of always find my way. And so after Trauma is being published in the year 2022, I got a traditional book deal for that in the year 2020. So a full decade after publishing Where Hope Lives, I finally had more to say about the events that had filled the pages of that first book. And so between 2010 and about 2017, so for about seven years, I was just working in this Word document Every couple days, every couple weeks, I would have a thought or I would think, ooh, that's an interesting meaning that I hadn't made of that event before. And so I was just sort of collecting my thoughts in an ongoing way with no real intention or structure. I was just putting my thoughts in this Word document that became sort of chaotic and very unorganized. But all my thoughts were there as I grew up, as I became 22, 23, you know, all the way up um, for the next couple of years, I was still sort of reflecting on these experiences. And then about 2017, I had it in my mind that maybe there is actually another book here. Maybe what I'm writing can be sort of the second half to Where Hope Lives. I didn't know really anything more than that. I just thought, it was somewhere around there, 2017, that I thought, huh, maybe this isn't just a Word document that's not going to do anything or not be read by anyone. Maybe there's actually something here. And as I kept writing, I was writing more and more, and there was more sort of structure that was coming to the story. And then in 2017, I was listening to an episode of the My Favorite Murder podcast. This would have been March. And at the top of the show... The host, Georgia and Karen, um, it's a true crime sort of comedy podcast. And they talk about uh, sort of topical things in the beginning. This happened. The serial killer was finally caught, etc. And they mentioned this woman named Kelly Heron and that she was out for a run that past weekend um, near Seattle. And she was attacked by this man in the woman's bathroom at this uh, sort of state park Um, on the beach where she had stopped to go to the bathroom and warm her hands. And Kelly became pretty famous after this attack, after she fought this man off and sort of what she did in the immediate aftermath of that. And when I heard them describe her story, I thought, huh, she has a pretty interesting after. Because I had already been thinking about this concept of after. We have a before 
an event or events that change the trajectory of our lives. And then we have an after. And she was a couple, just a couple days into her survivorship from this. And I thought, I wonder if she would be willing to talk to me about what her after looked like. And so I reached out to her on social media and she so sweetly responded to me and she just said, I am so overwhelmed by all the media requests and I just, I have to start declining things. So I just thank you for wanting to talk to me, but I just don't have any space for it really. Kelly, I hope I'm paraphrasing that all right. And I said, I'm so glad you're setting that boundary for yourself. I'm so glad you are closing that door. Like you shouldn't have to talk about it if you don't want to. So like be well. I hope that you are okay and that you continue to be okay. And like, I'm just wishing you all the best. And just a little while later, a couple weeks maybe, Kelly responded to me and said, actually, I want to talk to you because you're like the only person that responded positively to my boundary setting. And so I would, I would be happy to share my story with you. And so in like July of 2017, I did the first official sort of interview that would go into what would become after trauma. And as soon as I spoke with Kelly and she allowed me to share her story and what it would become as it's in the book now, I started thinking, I know I can self-publish a book because I've done that before, but the stories that people are telling me Their stories deserve a bigger audience than what a self-published book usually has. And so Kelly, and I've been so fortunate to be, you know, we've become great friends in the years since, and she's just such an incredible person, but her willingness to share her story with me, and then once I sort of wrote that out and saw how powerful it was... I thought, I want as many people as possible to know about her and what she did and the choices she has made in her after. And so it was in 2017 that I just sort of had that in the back of my mind that whenever this book gets to a place, an unknown place in the future where I feel like it's done, I don't want to self-publish it. I know that I can, and if I have to, I will, but I want to try to see if I can traditionally publish this book. And I knew that meant getting a book deal, getting a literary agent, all of these things that that sound like winning the lottery. Like no one you know does that. No one you know is that lucky. Um, I knew that the the publishing world was incredibly competitive. I had known people sort of in the past that had tried and had absolutely no luck. And so I thought, well, not so much for me, but for these other stories that I was collecting, I'm going to try. So that was in 2017. So 2018, I continued to write. 2019, I continued to write. And I was getting busier and busier with um, the business that I started in in 2018 called On the Job and Off, which is an online mental health platform for first responders. I was getting busier with that. I was traveling a lot more. I had gotten married and my life was just getting a, a bit more full. But then in 2020, March of 2020 to be exact, uh, we all know what happened then. And the world shut down. And my calendar became completely open. No longer did I have, you know, 25, 30 speaking engagements that I was looking at in the next couple of months. Every single one of them got canceled. And I all of a sudden had a completely open calendar. And I had the realization that this is my chance to try to finish this book. 
this is my chance to pour all of my working, waking hours into this document and see what I can make it in the next couple of months and see if I can get it to the point where I could try to get a book deal. I still didn't even know all the pieces that would have to come together for that, but I thought this is my chance. And so I think before COVID, my manuscript for After Trauma, it was just called After at that point. Um, I think it was about 30,000 words, uh, which is too short, way too short, but not nothing. Um, So that was March. April I wrote by May. That manuscript was 100,000 words. So I wrote 70,000 words in about a month and a half, two months. And then in May, I looked at it all and thought, I think there is enough here that I'm going to try to see if I can get a bite. And so I tried by just looking up literary agencies because I knew you need to get a literary agent before you can get a book deal. A publisher will not talk to an author. If you are not represented and signed by an agency, they basically take that as your work is not interesting, powerful, concise enough. There's something there. Like you need to have an agent and that is who we talk to. We don't talk to the author specifically. So I thought, okay, my first step is I need to get an agent. Again, sort of like winning the lottery. How does anyone do that? How do you make yourself stand out? Um, There's something called a query letter, which you fill out. There's a template you can find online. And it's just who you are, uh, what your book is about, why you think you're the person to write it. And you just like send them off into the void. And, you know, I had a spreadsheet. I tracked who I was sending it to, when it was sent, all the follow-ups that I, um, you know, sent to try to get a response. And I think I heard back from a couple, um, like a small, small, small percentage for how many I sent out. And I got a couple of bites. There was one literary agent agency that I was super, super excited about. Um, They requested to see the whole manuscript uh, versus just like a sample chapter that I had sent off. And I remember jumping up for joy like this was it. This was this was going to be how it happened. I was so sure. And I still remember my husband and I were driving in the car to like Costco or something. And, uh, you know, for our shopping trip that we did every couple of weeks because it was like two months into the pandemic. And I got an email on my phone that said they were passing on the manuscript. And we were just about like we had parked up near the entrance to Costco or wherever it was. And I told my husband and he was like, oh, man. like I'm so sorry like that's so disappointing I know you're really excited and I was like yeah yeah I don't really have any other I don't really have any other leads right now and I just burst into tears I was so 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 devastated that was my one bite that was my one line in the water and I just couldn't see another way forward and um my husband was just so, you know, comforting and encouraging and just gave me that space to be really, really disappointed. But I left that, like I walked into Costco after drying my tears, feeling like there is a path for this book. I know it. I just have to keep trying. And so I was just sort of trying to keep my my eyes open and my ears out for, do I know anyone, do I know anyone that has a connection in the literary industry? Is there any person that I know that can give me a connection that I don't previously have? 
And there was a woman who I'd been um, just Instagram friends with for a while, Taylor Schumann, um, who had uh, survived um, an incident of mass violence, a shooting at the community college where she worked in Virginia. And I knew that she had gotten a book deal. And so I figured she had a literary agent. And so I reached out to her one day, like through her DMs. And I just said, hey, Taylor, um, you know, this is who I am. This is what I'm writing about. Here is what I'm trying to do. Um, do you have any connections that you can pass my way? Um, having no idea if she would read the DM or care or, or you know, respond at all. And she so very kindly um, connected me with her literary agent, who is now my literary agent. <laughs> we have the same one. And so I met with this woman, Keely. Hey, Keely. Uh, in like early summer 2020. And we talked a bunch. She looked at the manuscript. Again, it's 100,000 words. After trauma would end up being published at 60,000. So a lot needed to come out. A, not, a lot needed to be restructured. There was a lot of work that needed to be done there. And Keely said, essentially, I think there's really something here. However, I would like this manuscript to be professionally edited. And then I'll take another look. And then we can have a conversation about signing you. So like June, July, August, I worked with an editor that I found um, and paid for on my own and worked with on my own. Um, and we did basically the first professional pass through the manuscript. And then in October, I submitted it back to Keely. She looked at it and uh, she gave me like this window of like, you'll hear from me, you know, next week or whatever. So we get to Friday at 5 p.m. <laughs> And I had not heard from her and she's two hours behind me. So I was like, okay, I have a little bit more time, but you know, we're at the very end of the week and I don't feel like that bodes very well for me. And I remember I was sitting in the passenger seat of a car driving with my mother-in-law and I got an email from Keely and I skimmed it as fast as anyone could ever skim it. It was a long email about how she felt about the manuscript and this and that. And at the very end, she said that she would like to sign me and partner with me to bring this book into the world. And so that was October of 2020. And then what you have to do, so it's like, okay, great. You have a literary agent. That is the first huge step. You cannot get into the publishing world without a literary agent. But that literary agent then has to find a publishing company that wants to buy your book. So it's a whole other round of potential rejections and um, putting yourself out there and trying to trust the process. And so it was like later in October when I had been, when I got signed with uh, WordServe Literary, who is still my literary uh, agency to this day. Um, and then Keely and I started working on what's called um, a book proposal, which is basically a couple sample chapters from the book, um, a bio about the author, the author's platform, um, some other books out there in the market that are sort of comparable to the book that you're writing, a detailed outline. It's just basically as much information as you can possibly share without giving the full manuscript for someone to read. And so we put together the book proposal and I think in November-ish, um, it went out the door and Keely sent me a list of here's everyone that it's going to. And then you just have to wait. <laughs> you just have to wait and hope that the right person at the right place finds your book and has space and time on their own calendar and their own publishing schedule to be able to work with you. 
And so it was in December. It was the 10-year anniversary of Where Hope Lives being published. It was literally the week that, you know, it was the week of December 10th, 2020. And I got an email from Keeley saying that there was a publishing company um, called Broadleaf Books that, uh, and there was an editor there named Lisa who was interested in having a conversation with me about after. And so that was crazy. Um, That was a really huge rush of adrenaline moment um, because you can have a literary agent all day and never get your book published because just people are not interested or there's things going on in the world that make that book like topically not um, interesting or, or whatever. There are just so many factors that influence whether or not your book is going to become like an actual book. And so in December, I had some meetings with this editor named Lisa. And at least in my experience, you, um, you find a specific editor at a specific publishing company that you think would be a good fit to edit your book based on their interests or other books that they have um, edited in the past. So this woman, Lisa, was someone who Keely knew and Keely felt like Lisa could potentially be a good fit if Lisa, again, was interested. And then even if Lisa was interested, her, you know, um, her company could still say like, no, we're not interested in that book at all. So there were still like so many hoops, like there were so many doors that we still had to successfully walk through. So we had some initial meetings in December and um, then it was like, I think the week before Christmas that Keely came back and said they have made an offer to buy after, to buy the rights for after. And then it was in January that I had all the paperwork and could officially um, announce it. And so the book deal, I think, was like official, but I couldn't say anything in December 2020. And then in January 2021, I was able to announce it and all of that. And then it's not until April 2022 that the book is actually coming out. And there's such a long lead time because, um, you know, first of all, I went through six months of intense edits with Lisa. So that's like every day working on a chapter, submitting a chapter, and then recrafting and restructuring things based on, you know, what Lisa thinks the book needs to be successful. And so from January to June of 2021, I was in those edits and my final edits were due, I believe, at the end of June um, of last year, 2021. And then that's that. And then it's done. And then it it goes through its whole process of the cover being designed and all of just like the metadata being put together of how are we going to talk about this book to the media? Who in the media do we think is going to care to review the book? Like all of those things then happened without me because that's the beauty of a traditional publishing deal and I'm so incredibly fortunate to have gotten one because all of the publicity and the marketing and the publishing and the designing and the formatting none of that was up to me I just had to write the thing (laughs) and so that is really how the the book deal came to be and like I said it used to just be called after um but earlier, like pre-2017, the book was actually called Peace Like a River. And it's an Andrew Rip song that I love, um, Peace Like a River. And it was symbolic to me also of the Susquehanna River, which I drove alongside a lot during the time that I was uh, writing what would eventually become after trauma. Um, And then when I actually finished the book, 
uh, my husband and I lived in um, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we could, you know, see the Susquehanna River basically like from our front porch. And so I loved, I loved Peace Like a River, but I needed something that was sort of more direct on what the book was actually about. And so I settled on After and started and called it After for years. And then one of the things that, you know, when you're planning to publish the book, it, it you know, there's people who are way smarter than me who have way different skill sets and experiences than I do that, that sit there and, and brainstorm and think like, what is the best possible name for this book that will immediately allow bookstores and readers and media and people like that to know exactly what this book is. And so um, there were a lot of titles that were offered to me as potentials. Um, but after trauma is what Keely and I had settled on when we were trying to sell it. And it just came full circle right back to after trauma. And that is, you know, what the book will forever be called now. And so it's interesting now because the advanced reader copies of After Trauma have been received. You know, the book is out on bookshelves today. Um, people who have read both that book and Where Hope Lives are like, wow, I can really see a, a difference in you between the books. And I'm like, well, I hope so. Because, you know, there's a decade plus in between there. And like when I wrote Where Hope Lives and published it, I didn't know, for example, that I had a bunch of unprocessed trauma in my brain that I was going to need to square with before I could actually be whole and that I needed help for my mental health and um, the bottling it up and pretending like it wasn't there thing that I had been doing for so long just wasn't going to cut it for much longer. And so, you know, the first half, like after trauma is in, it's in two parts. Um, the first half is really me establishing those early experiences and I that was sort of tricky because I I needed to not make it repetitive for people who had read Where Hope Lives but also tell it in a complete enough way where if you hadn't read Where Hope Lives you're like okay I get I get what happened here so chapter one is uh it's our longest chapter I believe and it is a doozy it's a doozy. Uh, chapter one is is a lot. Uh, there is a content warning at the beginning of the book. Um, you know, content warning, there's descriptions of sexual violence and domestic assault. So if any of those experiences are personal for you, just take good care of yourself as you read it through. Um, but part two is definitely uh, my upward climb um, versus, you know, part one is sort of me going down into those mental depths um, with, you know, it wasn't all bad, but Part two is definitely like, okay, we are now climbing out and we're now redefining and we are now um, finding hope on the other side of the significant mental health struggle that I had um, that put me into my after. And so like I said, after trauma is out today, April 12th, 2022. I have had a countdown on my phone. I have had countdowns for, you know, over 200 days. Um, I think it was like 256 days. I think it was when we got the pub date for this book. So for that long, I have been waiting for April 12th, 2022. And we are finally here. So I'm really excited to go through this book with you. We are going to talk through each chapter. I'm going to give you some more sort of insight into the writing process for each and the experiences that I had there, why I wrote about certain things, um, you know, what was in there that was taken out, just really 
talk you through each chapter as you read it. I also want to let you know that um, the audiobook for After Trauma is out now, available wherever you get your audiobooks. Um, I went to New York City a couple of weeks ago and was just so fortunate to be able to record that audiobook myself. Um, I did have to audition for it. Um, it was certainly not just like a given that it was going to be me, even though I thought like, how could this book be written, could be read by anyone who's not me? Um, but happily, I was chosen to do it and I got to go to New York City and do that. So that audiobook is out now. If you are someone who has a long commute or want me to keep you company while you're, you know, cleaning your house or walking on the treadmill or walking your dog, whatever, um, that audiobook is available. So we will see you next Tuesday where we will be going into chapter one of After Trauma. Forgive yourself for not seeing it coming. And if you do not have a copy of After Trauma and would like to get one, visit my website, aliewrothrock.com slash writing, and that will take you to all of the places that you can purchase the book, including uh, Midtown Scholar, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, etc. See you next week.